Welcome to Scholastic Reads, our podcast about books, authors, and the joy and power of reading. I'm your host, Suzanne McCabe, Editor-at-Large at Scholastic. Thank you for joining us. In honor of Black History Month, and just on general principle, we have a very special guest in the studio. Yolanda Renee King is here at our Scholastic headquarters in New York City. She is joined by her editor, esteemed author, Andrea Davis Pinckney. Yolanda is only 15 years old. Already, she is an activist and an author. But she has some pretty big shoes to fill. Yolanda is the only grandchild of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Coretta Scott King. Having Yolanda at Scholastic today, along with her parents, Martin Luther King III and Andrea Waters King, connects us to a storied history and also a deeply painful one because of the tragic assassination of MLK in 1968. To this day, members of the King family have shown a steadfast determination to honor their legacy and live up to a profound responsibility. As Yolanda's mom, Andrea, says, the torch has been passed to a new generation, so each of us have to continue to feed the flames of peace, justice, and equity. Yolanda's new picture book from Scholastic evokes the legacy of her grandparents and exhorts members of her generation to follow their own dreams for social justice. Here is a clip from the audio version of We Dream a World, read by Yolanda herself. I hold fast to all that you stood for. Peace, togetherness, harmony, and love. With this faith, we will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope. Granddaddy and Grandma, thanks to your wisdom and determination, I now have my own footsteps, my own journey, my own dreams for our world. And so, while I follow your example, I am also ready to lead. I'm delighted to welcome Yolanda Renee King to the Scholastic Reads podcast. And I'm so happy to have my friend Andrea Davis Pinckney back in the studio. Andrea is the Vice President of Trade Publishing at Scholastic, as well as an editor and author extraordinaire. They'll tell us about the genesis of Yolanda's new picture book, which is illustrated by Nicole Tegel. It's called We Dream a World, Carrying the Light from My Grandparents, Martin Luther King Jr., and Coretta Scott King. Hi, Yolanda. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. And Andrea, welcome back. Thanks, Suzanne. Always good to be with you. Yolanda, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm, as of right now, 15 years old, and I'm an activist that enjoys reading and singing and music and movies and anything else someone my age would enjoy. What inspired you to write We Dream a World? I really wanted to write something that would 
through the use of poetic language and in a very like aesthetically pleasing way would share a message and, and provide hope to not only I mean is a children's book but really I say it's a book for big kids meaning adults as well it really shows the world that we can have not only through the words but through images which I, I'm sure later we'll talk about this but we spent a lot of time making sure that we picked an illustrator that we thought would be suited for this task and for the message and the mantra of the book. Now, Yolanda, you said you like to do things that kids your age do. However, not many kids write books (laughs) at your age. Not many kids are activists. That's the exception, those those two. (laughs) And you have a very famous grandfather who would be turning 95 this January. What have you learned about him from your dad that you want other people to know? Two things. I think the first thing is really my dad and mom, because my mom really helped in my development and learning about who he is, but also my grandparents. And I've been doing this a lot lately, but really including my grandmother into the equation because she was the one who stood next to him. She was the one who actually, when you look back, who brought him into the movement. But I learned from my parents about how powerful and and significant they were. But also I feel like in schools and in other places, we kind of just see the glorification part. We we just see them being glorified and, and celebrated, which of course is, I mean, for their work, which is they are worthy of, but also you don't see the hard work that goes into it. I think that they really taught me about the hard work and the discipline and I guess the behind the scenes of how that happens. I, I feel like we just kind of see the magic, but we don't really see what's behind that magic. So learning about their perseverance and all that they had to endure, that's what my parents taught me. They never forced me to do this work. In fact, they told me, listen, Yolanda, this work is hard and we don't expect you to go into this work. You don't have to go into this work. We're not going to make you do this. We're not going to put you into a box. And if you do, you certainly do not have to do it the way that your grandparents did it. So having that freedom really allowed me to learn about them. They've told me you come from a great family. I always am learning something new. And honestly, I don't think when I had that click and I really realized like, wow, like my grandparents and my grandfather, and my grand, they were pretty awesome. I think I was like nine when I really realized the significance of them and, and of their work. And even now, as I get older, I really become more and more significant. And I really get it. You know how like sometimes even now I look back or, or even now an adult or someone will tell me something and I don't yet get it. Or I don't fully get it yet. And and I feel like every day I'm getting it more and more. I'm getting their legacy more and more. I'm understanding it more and more. And those words are really starting to sink in and have relevance to me. Tell us about your journey, though. You are someone who, like many of us, has tried to follow your grandparents' example. And now you're prepared to lead at age 15, which I just find extraordinary. Tell us about that journey. Well... I think that it came from a very young age. I'm, I think it first starts with a concern and really having that passion and, and curiosity about, well, how are we going to solve this problem? I mean, I remember we would be driving around Atlanta when I was three, four years old and there would be homeless people on the street. I would ask my dad when he was dropping me off to preschool, why are there people on the road asking for money? And he explained to me the homelessness and the whole concept and how large numbers of people live this way. It just didn't sit with me. It didn't make sense. And I wanted to find a solution. I remember one time I told him I'm going to buy a big house 
a big mansion and put all the homeless people into that house. And I really wanted to solve the problem. And even later on, I took money from my piggy bank and I put them in like little bags and I thought I was going to give all the money I'd save up to homeless people. So I always had these ideas on ways to solve the problem or even gun violence. I've always had questions to why is this a reality and what is a solution? That's definitely allowed me to become a leader because a leader is someone who questions these things, who challenges these things. I think especially now with social media, we see the people who are like, oh, look at me and they have the most followers and get the most praise. Sometimes leaders will get praise. We so often forget that leaders are those who ask the questions, who challenge things. It's not just to always look at me. A lot of people forget that throughout my grandfather's life, he was one of the most disliked men on earth and one of the most critiqued. It wasn't until after his death that people really saw the significance of King. Even during my grandmother's life, when she campaigned to make his birthday a holiday, without her, the legacy of King would not have lived on. She was the one that kept it alive and spread the message. But she was perceived as, and even now um, still is, perceived as Dr. King's widow, as the wife who didn't do anything. Without her efforts, there would be no King legacy. And his message in the dream would have been gone with him. A leader is someone who stands outside the gin pop, who has questions, who's curious, and who has a solution. Now... I want to go back to 2018 when I first saw you speak at the March for Our Lives rally in Washington, D.C. How did that come about? And tell us about that experience. We were in Washington because we wanted to support the movement and to support the students and all that was going on. And because of my family, I was always around this work. They made sure that I was exposed and informed about the issues of the world. And I remember that morning as I was getting ready, my parents were like, do you want to like write some quick remarks? We have some ideas. I rehearsed to them what I was going to say. And probably if you find some interviews, you can hear them saying this themselves. And that's exactly what I delivered a few hours later to the country and really the world. Honestly, it brought hope to me. Seeing kids, kids that were older than me, we always look up to the older people. As a leader, you have to stick together with other leaders or those who are just as passionate with you because sometimes it feels like you're standing along and just being around that energy and and that presence to me, it, it was inspiring and empowering. Andrea, let's turn to you for a moment. Tell us about We Dream a World. Yolanda's new book, From Your Perspective, how it made its way into print, and what inspired you during the journey? Well, Suzanne, I was one of the millions of people who in 2018 was watching Yolanda at the March for Our Lives Against Gun Violence. And I remember, Yolanda, you just inspired us with this chant, spread the word, have you heard all across the nation we are going to be a great generation. That's at the end of the book, actually. Yes. So there you go. That's the answer to your question, Suzanne. You know, I heard that. And at the march, you kind of brought us all in. Now, I was a viewer at home watching it on television, but you asked us to repeat it three times. Right. And I heard that. And I just thought, this is a global proclamation of modern activism. And I thought, what better way to share that than in a book? And as we all know, you know, books change lives, books spark conversations. And I thought, if this were part of a book, Yolanda's message, your passion, 
your uh, commitment, your dedication. I thought this is a way to spread your message even further. You know, I think of the book as a, a jewel and a tool. It's this glistening anthem that you created, and it's a tool for grownups to sit with young people, for young people to sit together and talk about the issues of the day. And what do you hope young people will take away from Yolanda's book? No matter your age, your race, where you live, what you believe, the family that you come from, you can make a difference, big or small. Maybe you want to go on a march, or maybe you want to just have a mission in your heart of kindness. And all of that can make the world a better place. Talk about the watercolor illustrations in the book by Nicole Tagel. Yes. Tell us how they amplify Yolanda's message. Yolanda had a hand in choosing the artist. We presented several to her. And I think we all agreed right away that Nicole was the best choice. And there were a lot of reasons for this. The work is done in watercolor. It's very expressive. And it really presents this canvas of what dreaming a world can be. The colors are vibrant. They're imaginative. They're filled with hope. We see all ethnicities, we see all ages, complexions, abilities. And what I love, what Nicole has done, is she beautifully blends the past with the present. So you see the ode to your grandparents are done in kind of sepia tones. And then we come to the modern world with these bold, expressive colors. What Nicole has done so successfully is that she shows us what a dream can be, that we can see something bigger and beyond what is right in front of us. Yolanda, what comes next for you? I guess we'll just have to see. A few people already asked for a sequel and the book just came out. We'll have to see. And I hope to be able to keep on going and spreading the book. You've said that you think service is one of the best ways to solve the many challenges confronting us. In fact, you're launching a five-year service project in honor of your grandfather. It's called Realizing the Dream. I'm doing this with my parents. It's a project where we will obtain 100 million hours of service throughout the country as the 100th birthday present for my grandfather. Oh, my goodness. Now, you have quite a head start as an activist. Other young people looking at you, I'm sure, will admire you. What would you say to them to inspire them to help you with your mission and to become activists themselves. A lot of people believe that in order to be considered an activist, you have to be able to get up and go to a rally and address hundreds of thousands of people. And while that is one way to be an activist, there are so many other ways. Finding a platform, whether that be through art and music or organizing your sports team to create change. And and I think that a lot of people forget that, listen, you don't have to be a speaker or, or planning an event. You can, there's, um, there are committees and there are people who they organize and that's what they specialize in. So organizing something in your community, maybe organizing a special assembly in your school about this or finding rallies that are close to your area and attending them. I always say this, but without the protesters and those who came to support an issue in a rally, there wouldn't be a rally. And so I think that really showing up to these events, if, if you're really passionate. And for those that are 18, voting and getting involved in elections, I'm only 15. So I have, what, three more years before I can participate in elections. So I think that it's important to 
encourage those around you to vote. So if you have an older sibling or a cousin or your family or your parents and aunts and uncles and those around you or or friends to vote, I, I think that it's important to do that. Yolanda, your grandparents clearly were extraordinary. Your parents are extraordinary. I'm so impressed by how beautifully they've raised you and all Mm -hmm. they've instilled in you. In the back of your book, they have a message and they talk about how you show us even small acts of compassion can have such a powerful impact. Could you tell us what they mean by that? And it seems like we certainly could use a lot more compassion and kindness as we head into 2024. Tell us what that looks like to you. Well, if we're talking about kindness, if we're talking about a loving community, my first thing is that a lot of people, when they hear you have to love your enemies or you have to love everyone. And the first thing people say is everyone. There's a difference between love and like, and it's okay. There are going to be some people who you do not agree with. There's going to be some people who you may not even like necessarily, but you love them because we're all part of one universe. Then also being kind. I think that's the biggest thing. If you see someone elderly, for instance, holding the door for them, or if someone drops something, perhaps picking it up for them, just finding kind acts to do and and being kind. Challenge people listening to this to find at least, let's say, three good deeds to do in a day that will help someone if you see someone struggling. Or even if you like the sweater someone has on or the necklace someone's wearing, compliment it. Or if you like their hair. So just finding ways to be nice and kind. Thank you, Yolanda. Is there anything either of you would like to add before we wrap up? I'll just say that kids are taking the lead and moving the torch forward. And Yolanda, we just thank you for leading us and so many young people into a a new future and what we hope is is a brighter tomorrow. Thank you all for having me. Thank you, Yolanda. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you. My great thanks again to Yolanda Renee King and Andrea Davis Pinckney for joining me today. And thank you for listening. To learn more about We Dream a World and for a curated selection of fiction and nonfiction honoring Black history, check the show notes or go to scholastic.com slash podcast. Special thanks to producer Maxine Osa, sound engineer Daniel Jordan, and music composer Lucas Elliott Eberl. I'm Suzanne McCabe. We look forward to sharing more Scholastic Reads next time.